Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to 2022. It's January 3rd, 2022 in the Pat Price Tech Talk training room. I'm Larry Gassman, co-chair of Tech Talk and Accessible World, and welcome back. Hope you all had a very happy new year and will continue to do so. And we're starting a new year of Tech Talk with technology, and this is uh, rather good, and we're rather excited about that. Uh, Accessible technology workshops. We have a lot of those around the country that we get to take advantage of, especially during the pandemic. And for those people who are in New York, especially, um, there's a chance now for you to learn more about what's happening. Chansey Fleet is the Assistive Technology Coordinator at the New York Public Library's Andrew High School Braille and Talking Book Branch. And she's going to talk about training opportunities. She's going to talk about technology, especially uh, for those of you who love that subject, and we all do because we all learn from technology. And I think this is the first time that Chancey's been with us on Tech Talk. She will actually respond to that as well, probably, and talk to you more. So I'll let her do that. And Chancey, thanks so much for being with us on Tech Talk. Thanks, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, folks. My name is Chancey Fleet. I identify as blind. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the Assistive Technology Coordinator at the New York Public Library's Andrew Haskell Braille and Talking Book Branch. So what I'm hoping to do today is give something to everyone. Some of you are folks that want to learn more about technology. Some of you, and this is probably an overlapping group, are folks that want to teach others in your community and grow our capacity as blind and low vision people. And some of you might be local New Yorkers or no local New Yorkers or be within traveling distance of New York and want to find out what we're doing in our Dimensions Lab, which is the world's only free and open lab where anyone can come to make tactile graphics and 3D models for accessibility. So today... I'm really hoping to tell the story of how we started our peer boat-based tech coaching model in New York and how it's uh, how it's different from traditional VR-based tech instruction. I want to talk to you about the tech workshops that anybody can take advantage of regardless of where they are in the world and volunteer opportunities that anyone can take advantage of wherever they are. And then if there's time, I want to talk a little bit about our graphics lab because I'm always trying to get the word out about about that. And I'll try to stop a couple of times for, for questions and comments as we go. And I understand that we have about an hour. So back in 2010, I was working at a vocational rehabilitation agency that was very much in the traditional mold. We had a contract with the state and we were there to provide technology training to help people become future taxpayers. Now, this is an important and a good thing. People need training to get to work or stay in work or to get through school. But I found myself a little restless because the training that we could offer people was very high bound by the constraints of this uh, contract. We weren't training the whole person. We were training the future worker or the person in the context of, of school. There were lots of things that we couldn't show to a person. If they wanted to know about online banking or social networking or online dating, we really couldn't answer those questions. And at the same time, there were lots of people that I knew we couldn't serve. We couldn't serve homemakers or seniors or the happily unemployed or people who already had jobs and weren't in crisis or undocumented people 
or cited friends and family members that wanted to learn as allies or people that had bad migraines and other things that didn't, didn't measure up as being legal blindness. So that made me a little bit restless. And at the same time, I realized as an activist that I myself as a blind person didn't have a lot of trouble learning technology. And it's not because I was the smartest person in the room. That's, that's not, not always the case. It was because I knew other blind and low vision folks and particularly on long road trips to go lobby in Albany or go lobby in DC, we'd be on a train or a bus and we would exchange information about the latest apps and we would share our problems with each other and we would troubleshoot and we'd show each other new gear. And that would happen at conventions. It would happen at seminars. It would happen at social events. And so you know, technology would frustrate me sometimes, but I never felt like an answer was very far away. And I always felt like I had this generous community to tap into. So I started thinking about that. What might it be like to have a different way for folks to learn technology basics, maybe a little less structured and a little more peer driven? How could we include people in in that experience without expecting everybody to become just immersed in the blind community and become activists and wind up on these buses? Then around that same time, in 2009, I heard a terrible, terrible piece of news that the Braille collection at the Andrew High School Braille and Talking Book Library was being packed up and moved to New Jersey because they needed the space to make room for the IT department. And our Braille library was about to turn into what most Braille libraries are throughout the country, which is a mail order situation based on a warehouse. I had come to NYPL, to the Andrew Haskell Library, as a little girl, as a tourist when I was about 10. And I will always remember walking into the library and being able to reach out and touch the books and take books down off the shelves and not ask someone to pull something from the back for me. The librarians even let me check out some choose-your-own adventure books, even though I was from Virginia and I don't know how they even managed that. I was so happy to reach in, grab a book from a shelf, choose my own, and, and leave. And so it broke my heart when I heard that the books might be leaving. And we did all the things that activists do. We showed up to meetings that we weren't necessarily expected to be at. And we talked to reporters and we made a petition. And those books turned around and they came right back from New Jersey and they went right back on the shelves. But at the end of that saga, when I was feeling pretty good about our movement, this, the chief librarian at the time, Mark, said to me, thank you for doing this and congratulations but it'll probably happen again because blind people are not coming in to use the space. And if people don't come in to use the library, then the space might go away. So that's when it all clicked for me. Let's have people come into the library and meet with blind or visually impaired peers and create a space where it's not about vocational rehabilitation. You won't necessarily be meeting with someone who is a a full-time assistive technology professional. You won't have eligibility requirements. You won't have paperwork. We're going to ask you a couple simple things. We're going to ask you what your goal is. We're going to ask you to commit to being there on time or communicating that that you can't be on time. And we're going to ask you to explore with us a way, a viable way that you as a blind or visually impaired person can take notes so that you can learn and grow. So we started the tech coaching program as volunteers. We approached the library with this idea and we were welcomed. We were given a tiny little room and space in the newsletter. And we started meeting with folks three hours a week on Saturdays. It was me and about four other blind and visually impaired people. 
And together, we were fluent in about three languages. We knew most of the operating systems. A couple of us were fluent in magnification. A couple of us were fluent in Braille. And we set up a Google Voice number and started waiting for calls and waiting for calls and waiting for calls. And honestly, it took two or three months for word to get out before we could reliably fill up three hours on a Saturday with three one-hour appointments. But we didn't give up. We kept publicizing. We kept telling our friends. Slowly, demand started to build. Sometimes we had to spend more than three hours on a Saturday. Sometimes we had to find a second room in the library. We started to recruit more volunteers. We started doing more ambitious things at the library as volunteers. For example, we did an orientation to uh, to the rights and the tech tools that blind college students need to know about. And in 2013, I was able to leave my vocational rehabilitation job, come to work at the library full-time, and continue this work. Again, we don't compete with VR. We refer to VR, and VR refers to us. We exist to fill in the gaps, to help people with something that's not vocational or educational in nature. It could be gaming. It could be audio editing. It could be that online dating, setting up that lapmatch.com profile. We exist to fill in the gaps when someone just has some casual questions for an hour or two, and they don't want to go through a whole process to be eligible to have those questions answered. We serve people that have migraines or learning disabilities or other things that aren't legal blindness. We serve people that aren't eligible for VR for whatever reason. And we serve people that are going to assistive technology training within the VR system. And they just want some extra time or a second opinion or to meet with a peer about some of their questions. Maybe they want some help navigating that VR system and understanding what's going on. And we help with all those things. So right now, pre-pandemic and during the pandemic, we do about 150 hours of one-on-one technology coaching that's powered by staff members and volunteers. Right now, there's me and one other person on staff. We are hiring a new new part-time staff member. So reach out to me if you are an assistive technology professional, especially if you're fluent in Spanish or Braille. We have a part-time opportunity right now. Uh, But right now, it's me and one other individual. And then a group of about 12 volunteers, some of whom work with our patrons every week one-on-one, and some of whom uh, do guest appearances to lead some of our workshops. In addition to Yes. This is is Al. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've I've had a request that maybe you could get closer to your mic. Uh, uh, You're not coming in. Am I not coming in clear to you? Well, I, I hear you okay, but it sounds a little bit like you may be a little deflected. But okay. uh, I'm about I, half I, an I, inch from my boom mic. I can bring up the level maybe a little bit. That that sounds that that's a little bit better. But uh, okay, uh, I, I, I just ha- I just is that better? Stress. I just put it real close. But let me that, know if I'm yeah, popping my peas. Yeah, that that, that that's better. B- thanks a lot. Sorry to interrupt. All right. you. Oh no, not at all. Thank okay. you. I appreciate okay. the okay. feedback. Yeah. Um, So in addition to our one-on-ones, we do workshops. The workshops are different every quarter. So, for example, coming up this quarter, we've got uh, an intro to Twitter. We've got an intro to Google Docs. We run that a lot. Um, We do more adventurous things like physical computing. I'll talk about the graphics lab a little later, but we do, for example, physical computing with Arduino, how to use... uh, 
the SAS Graphics Accelerator to get big data from CSV and sonify it. So we do some of those ambitious things, but then we also do very entry-level workshops that are available to anyone on topics like accessible gaming for iOS, using Instagram, that kind of thing. During the pandemic, we really extended our reach. In the old days, a very popular, successful, winning workshop would probably have about 25 people, and we thought that was overwhelming and a lot. But these days, our workshops routinely have 40 or 50 people, some of them top 100, and we're very happy about that. The way we've managed to scale that is by breaking down the Zoom moderation and having folks that are in charge of monitoring the chat, taking the notes, monitoring the mutes, monitoring the hands, and then and then doing the presenting. And my volunteers that work hand in hand with me, most of whom are blind or visually impaired, all help with, with those things as well as workshop development. During the pandemic, we heard a need for more intensive instruction and that people had time for more intensive instruction. And frankly, it's easier to do large group instruction uh, that's recurring on Zoom because you can rely on getting everybody to the same place at the same time and we don't have to worry about the room size. So last winter, we kicked off our first ever 12-week JAWS workshop. It was success. We had about 25 folks that, that went through the full 12 weeks. And in the fall, we did 12 weeks on JAWS and 12 weeks on NVDA. We're going to be running both of those again this quarter. So get in touch with me if you'd like to be on our mailing list. We will do a 12-week JAWS intensive. It's not going to be like what Brian's doing. It is for beginners. If you know how to type and you know a little bit about Windows and maybe a little bit about your screen reader, but you just need a solid foundation, nothing super fancy like the the jaws with muscle that Brian's teaching, but a solid foundation, you can join us for our 12-week intensive if you can commit to be there for most of those 12 weeks. It comes with a Google group where you can interact with other folks and some optional homework assignments, and it's a commitment of about 90 minutes a week plus some, some study time. And you can reach out to me, and I'm happy to add you to the event list. We anticipate we're going to kick off next cohort in mid-January. We're finalizing things right now. We also have a 12-week NVDA workshop that we're going to be running once again. It is the same thing, only for NVDA users, folks that prefer not to use JAWS for whatever reason. Coming up this quarter, we're also going to be doing our 3D design with OpenSCAD workshop. That is a three-session workshop. We're going to be doing our intro to Google Docs. That is a three-session workshop. And we'll be doing our introduction to Twitter. The full list will be finalized sometime in the next week or so. Um, some things have been changing from in-person back to virtual because, uh, because of the old Omicron. So reach out to me. I am chancefleet at nypl.org if you'd like to get on our mailing list and we can make that happen. So what I want to leave you with so far is A, if you're interested in volunteering or being a participant in group workshops, regardless of where you are, reach out to us. We, we are loving scaling and building this community. We're particularly loving the, the good energy of doing these intensive 12-week cohorts that keeps a group together, learning together. We think it's, it's, it's been successful and something that we want to keep doing. Um, we could use all the help that we could get as we can scale as we scale. And we can also uh, appreciate people reaching out and letting friends and families uh, 
family members know that that we're available and that group workshops are available to anybody, regardless of where you reside. But the other thing, and maybe the more important thing for this group that I want to pitch to you, is that all we had was the idea that a few of us as activists were sort of privileged when it came to tech and we helped each other. And we thought we would find a welcoming place and a free space with some basic equipment where we could gather. And we pitched a community organization, in our case, the New York Public Library. And we started doing the thing. We used free tools like newsletter uh, advertising and, and a Google Voice number. We didn't have a budget. We had a big budget of zero dollars and no cents. All we had was the desire to solve a problem in our city. And we did that. And eventually we were able to scale it. But even if you don't scale, this is something really powerful that you could do in your chapter, your division, your civic organization, a senior center, an online study group. There are lots of ways that you could do it. And most of what I'm going to say to you tonight is very positive. But I want to tell you, my work at the library has shown me that the state of vocational rehabilitation out there is very uneven. Not everybody gets the same treatment. Not everyone gets the same opportunities. Folks that are not on the employment track are not in a great spot. When I talk to folks in other states, it can be even worse. There are families out there who could really benefit from a few hours of instruction, but their TBI is not fluent in assistive technology. There are seniors that just need a friendly call from a mentor once a, once a week. And in the long term, of course, we want to make sure that the social safety net is better and that everyone gets the AT instruction to which they're entitled. But in the short term, I really believe that this type of work as, as volunteers is one of the most impactful things that we can do because not only are we giving the tools to blind and visually impaired people to use their technology and, and meet their technology goals, but once you have someone that can use your, their technology, they can read all the paperwork that's coming relentlessly their way. They can keep up with their appointments. They can write to their congressman if they want. They can read the fine print and they can become a more informed self-advocate. And I think that's the type of people that we need to really make long-lasting change in this community. So, you know, it's it, when we do this work, it's for individual tech proficiency, but frankly, it's also for the fight for better better conditions, better quality of life for everybody. So that's kind of my pitch. I'm happy to take some questions about how we built up the, the program um, or about the types of things that we offer. And then after questions, I'll maybe talk about dimensions a little bit. First question is from... Uh... Jean? My speaker has gone a little bit wacko, um, so I didn't quite understand. This is now just available for people in New York, right? That's right. So if I get a ton of inquiries, I might limit how much time you can spend one-on-one with the coach if you're not from New York, but our group workshops are absolutely open to everybody wherever you reside. Okay, that that's it then. Okay, Bobby Vinton, you're next. You can unmute yourself and ask your question. Okay, am I unmuted? You yes. Are. Okay, I need to bring my mic closer. You sound <clears> great. I'm wondering. You sound I'm okay. This is what I'm wondering. Do you assist people 
um, and getting the equipment people need to read books. Like, let's say you're poor and you can't afford players. Like, do you assist people with getting the NLS player? And also, is there a new NLS player on the horizon? Oh, I love your question. I have so many answers to it. Okay. So if you're in New York, we will help you sign up for an NLS player and free library service. You're welcome to do that with us. If you're not in New York, we will help you find your local NLS library that can send you an NLS player. And then we, we are well aware that lots of people have limited, uh, limited budget to, to spend on tech. So we've helped people work with Android tablets. We've helped people work with the Kindle Fires, which you might not love for doing everything accessibility-wise, but they might be quite all right as a guard player or media player. For those of us in New York and lots of other library systems around the country, we also have an app called Simply E. So that's Simply E, not just for people with disabilities, but for all library patrons. And it's a fully accessible app where you can download things in our collection. We will also be more than delighted to tell you about NFB Newsline and help you sign up for that and show you how to use it, which is free magazine and newspaper service available via your computer, your smartphone, or your landline phone. We will also be delighted to offer you Bookshare. If you're in New York, your Bookshare membership is free through us. If you're in California, it's free as well. And I think there might be a couple other states if you're a student, it's free. If you're a veteran, you get a free trial. So we'll help you figure out Bookshare and what kind of device you want to use Bookshare with. Um, we've also walked college students through the process of ask, uh, asking for accessible books through uh, their disability service office, which in New York, publishers have to release accessible copies in order to do business here. And then to Put a cherry on top of all that. We help people use apps. So if you've absolutely got to read some hard copy print, we'll walk you through the pros and cons of popular apps like Voice Dream Scanner, Seeing AI, Look Around, and help you make an informed decision based on your budget and your uh, your document needs. So we love to talk about literacy. We will talk to you about it in about seven different ways. In regards to whether there's an e-reader on the horizon, a new one from NLS, I have one here on my desk. It says property of the United States government library of Congress. It is a 20 cell refreshable braille display. It's made by humanware, but it's just called the NLS e-reader. It resembles the chameleon. If you've seen that from APH, but it doesn't have the text to speech features or the note taker that the chameleon does. What it does have is an onboard book reader. The ability to download NLS and NLS Bard and Newsline books and magazines directly from the internet, standalone. It's got a USB port. It's got an SD card, so you can load your own files. And it's got USB and Bluetooth connection so that you can connect it to your favorite device, be it an Android, an iOS, Windows, Mac, or uh or one of those Kindle fires that are more affordable. Um, my hope is that this device, which NLS is going to start distributing state by state to library patrons upon request this year, this little device could result in a real renaissance because it's going to take away the financial obstacle between people in the U.S. 
and our ability to afford and use a braille display. But we're going to need all hands on deck for that. We're going to need people who are confident with braille and braille displays to mentor a whole new wave of people. We're going to need friends and allies to convince people who are on the fence about learning a little bit of braille that even a little bit of braille can be worthwhile, whether it's reading recipes, reading to your kid, taking a quick note, knowing how to spell some words that are in the news, whatever it is. At the library, we do offer a braille study group. It's in person and online at the moment on Saturdays. You can check out literacy kits. You can check out braille uh, learning materials. For those out of state, we connect people to Hadley, the Hadley Institute at hadley.edu. And during our study group, we answer questions. We talk about braille reading and writing techniques. And we go over people's uh, issues that came up as they're doing their homework. But this could be the year that braille really belongs to everyone, at least in the U.S. But for that to be true, we're going to need everybody to help out and mentor a whole new cohort of emerging Braille readers and digital display users. So do look forward to that. I've been testing it myself for about two weeks. It's about the size of a paperback book. It's got thumb keys in the front. To me, it's very pleasant to use. It has been pleasant to use standalone and, and with Bluetooth. And I just hope that it serves every, every library patron who wants it as well as it's worked for me so far. Wow, so this could read NLS books. Does it have any audio or just Braille? Just Braille for now. I see a headphone jack, but I don't know what they have planned for that. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, Deborah Kendrick, you're next. You can unmute yourself and ask your question. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, Well, first of all, I had a couple other things, but I want to start by addressing the issues of the NLS e-reader because I work for NLS and I've been working with the NLS e-reader project for about two years now. And I just want to clarify for people that it's a state-by-state process. Technically, it's a pilot, although it's been a very long-running pilot. It's still officially a pilot, but eventually everyone will have access to these e-readers. And um, there are two models. So the one that, that uh, Chansey is describing is the humanware model, but there's another one made by Zoomax. They are both 20-cell Braille displays, and they are both uh, read-only devices, and on both of them you can download books from NLS Bards, NFB Newsline, and although you can't directly download Bookshare, you can put Bookshare books on them. So and and an audio will not um, the audio although there's an audio jack on the humanware version there will not be any audio because you have a <clears throat> a, di- a a digital talking book machine for your audio that is also free and that's the other thing that I wanted to specify it. I, I was concerned by the question from Bobby that he thought maybe you had to live in New York to get a talking book player. Anyone who's um, eligible for services from the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled can get a digital talking book player for free from your regional library. And wherever you are, there 
is a regional library near you if you're in the United States. Um, so, but the other the thing that I wanted <clears throat> to um, to weigh in on with with Chancy is that um, you um, you you are so articulate and you have so much to say, and I think some of it is being lost. When Alan asked you about your microphone, you were very clear for about a minute, and I don't know if it's if you're a distance from your microphone or what, but I just wanted to weigh in to say that because oh, what you, you. What you, I'm so yeah. close to the microphone, right about there. half an inch at this point. Yeah. And there you are. Now you're very clear again. And you know, it may be connectivity because this microphone is a headset. <laughs> it's not moving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you sound great right now. Okay. So well, I'll cross my fingers. I'm, it'll stay that way. Yeah. I don't want people to lose because everything that you have to say is, is valuable. So um, anyway, so, so great. So thank you. And I'll uh, go away now, but I, I wanted to be sure that people knew that there, there are about 13 states now in the um, e-reader. Maybe it's more than 13. Now I lose track, but it's it's an ever growing number of states, so um, it wouldn't hurt. You didn't hear this from me, but folks, if if you're eager to have an e-reader in your hands and you don't have one yet, call your cooperating library and ask them yep. when they're going to get some. Because if you bug them, they'll bug us, and then something will happen. There you so, go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. There, there is truth to the squeaky wheel gets the grease adage, I guess, right? Yeah. So please keep the uh, grease away from the braille cells. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. Uh any other questions? We don't have any other hands raised. If anybody has questions for Chancy, you better grab her while you can. Waiting, waiting. All right, maybe we should go on for now. I've got this mic about as close as it can get without touching me. So let me know if I start to fade out at all again. You're, 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 you sound very strong right now. So Okay, let me know if anything about that changes. All right. You sound perfect. Just I hope it lasts. Okay. So since we have some time left over, and by the way, well, if anyone want, go ahead. Did we get a hand? Yeah, we have a hand. Uh, Debbie oh, Downey. go for it. You can unmute yourself, Debbie, and ask your question. Debbie. Debbie. Going Debbie, once, did you... Did, going did, did, did you hit the got it button when you came in? Because if you didn't, you won't be able to unmute yourself. So. Oh, man. All right. Maybe we'll circle back and see if there's okay, yeah. questions near the end. So Go ahead. since we have time left over, and before I continue, I do want to say if you're interested, either as an AP professional or just as a person, in setting up a peer-based tech coaching service near where you live or virtually i'm really interested in talking to other people that want to adopt the model we have one library about uh one library teacher never formally a volunteer but really has helped out in our braille study group uh his name is his name is tony and he has 
gone ahead and started his own real study group that centered around his state affiliate of his civic organization. And we love when people copy us. It's not a, it's not a problem. Please like steal all of our ideas. Don't even like, I don't even, don't even need the credit. It would be so great to see more communities, more civic organizations that have ways for people to do this less formal HD learning. So if you're interested in starting something in your community, we are totally here to help. Um, that being said, since we've got some time left over, I'd love to talk to you very briefly about our Dimensions Project. So back in 2016, soon after I had started to go to tech, tech conferences in this new role and really learn more about different aspects of assistive technology um, and meet some really high-flying blind folks who use tactile graphics as a matter of course, I was approached by a library patron that was moving to New York and wanted to know where he could get a five-borough map. And I thought to myself, I have no idea where to get a five-borough map. Of course, now it's been pointed out to me, I've told the story enough times that there are some sources to get a five-borough map, but I didn't know. And I didn't know how I could make one for him or how he could make one for himself. And I started to reflect about how all the graphics that I've received in my life were graphics I didn't seek out and make. They were handed to me by a teacher, by an educational publisher, maybe by a conference once in a few moon. But I, I could never say, gosh, I wish I could get my hands on this thing and then have it embossed. And so we started the Dimensions Project. I pitched and won a small uh, staff grant through the NYPL Innovations uh, Fund and started the Dimensions Lab. So in short, we have... Uh, two types of, of braille embossers. We have two types of 3D printers. We have a swell form machine, which puffs up ink and creates a strong raised tactile line as well as a high contrast printed line. We have a slew of sensational blackboards, which let you draw with a regular paper and pen and do kind of a quick and dirty tactile sketch. We have three doodlers, which are the same thing, but they're 3D printing pens with low temp, non-toxic filament. We have accessible protractors that we printed out with the 3D printers. We have accessible calibers and, and uh, other drafting tools. So whether you want to come in and do something computer-free or using computer, you can come in uh, and create tackle graphics and 3D models at will. Most of what we offer is specific to the New York area because it requires you to come in and use equipment in the lab. But we do offer some online workshops, especially since the pandemic, that incorporate tackle graphics and, and graphic design. We teach folks how to use accessible CAD programs. There's a couple of them out there. One of them, which unfortunately comes with a cost, but is pretty versatile, is Tactile View. And Tactile View lets you define shapes and move them around canvas, lets you layer things, texture things, create lines, create labels. And you can get quite good at it and build, build up complex shapes. We teach people to hand code SVG, which is a lot like HTML for shapes. And again, you can hand code each, uh, SVG to make simple tactile graphics, especially if they're more geometric things. We teach folks how to collaborate on teams of blind and sighted people to make more complex, uh, nuanced tactile graphics than you might want to hand code as a blind person. 
So for example, if you head over to tactileschematics.com, you can see the work of our collaborator, Lauren Race, who worked with us to develop a full flight of circuit diagrams, schematics for physical computing. And that's just one example. Um, community partners have come in, like the Department of uh, Transportation has come in to make parade maps and maps for summer streets. Folks have come in to make art pieces. Uh, one person came in to make uh, tactile graffiti art with the Swalcorn machine and then took that to the Museum of Modern Art to teach a graffiti art class to a bunch of blind folks. If you want to learn how to use 3D uh, design software, as a blind person, you can't use a graphical interface to do computer-assisted design, not yet in any case, although we do have a prototype of the graffiti that, that might give you a glimpse of how you might be able to do such a thing in, in a few years. But for now, you got to do it with code. We use a program called OpenSCAD or OpenSCAD, and this quarter we will be doing a three-session workshop on how to use OpenSCAD. Basically, you write code that invokes shapes, moves them around on a canvas, adds things together, subtracts other things, and you can build up quite complex shapes. Um, some of our volunteers have taken existing puzzles that are out there in the world and replicated them in OpenSCAD, which I think is amazing. Um, folks that want to do simpler things have made boxes, have made DIY measuring tools, have made simple things like signature guides, um, have made braille learning blocks, and we do it all with code that's not that much harder or well, it's very different from HTML, but I'll, I'll posit that it might even be a little bit easier than HTML. Our three-session workshop doesn't require you to have any equipment because OpenSCAD is, is cross-platform and free software. It is fully accessible to people who are blind or low vision and those who use text-to-speech and those who use Braille. Um, please write to me and let me know if you'd like to join our event list. You'll find out exactly when it runs, but we expect that it will run in the winter the winter quarter. Um, if you ever find yourself in New York, feel free to reach out to us and come check out what's happening in our lab. We're always making something new. And I will leave you with this thought in your own communities. If your civic organization has an embosser, or if you have community partners that have an embosser or a 3D printer, if you have libraries that have a maker space, it is possible to ask ourselves, why do we all think that we have the right to accessible text on the web and why do we all think that we have the right to information literacy in the form of Braille? But we haven't yet collectively questioned why we're still living in image poverty when for 30 years or more, embossers, thermoform, swell form, and for some decades now, 3D printing on the consumer level have existed. We don't live in a text-only world, and I think the reason that we don't demand more in terms of maps, images, and graphs is because we've been living without so long that we don't know what we're missing and we don't advocate for the things that we don't know. So it's an odd thing to, to try to spark a demand that people haven't already found in themselves. But we're trying. We're trying by giving out T-maps, accessible street maps, which we can make for free upon request for anyone that comes in. We're handing out cursive alphabets that we made so that people can study and include their handwriting. So that seems like a pretty universal goal. Um, and we're just encouraging people to learn to use cheap, tactile DIY uh, 
supplies, ones that you might even have at home already, to do some basic drawing and just get your thoughts out and have fun. Because I think the educational institutions in our lives, our families who might not know, our coworkers who might not know, have maybe stifled our spatial aptitudes. And if we haven't tried, we can't enjoy and we can't excel. And so I would just leave you with that call to figure out how you might have a relationship with with drawing, maps, graphics, any of that, because what's possible is much more exciting than what most of us have experienced. And uh, if you'd like to talk to us more than that, more more about that, feel free to reach out. Um, We also do some low pressure DIY online events that will be coming up uh, this quarter. Uh, such as DIY drawing night from home, where we point out some drawing materials you might have at home that can be used for practical drawing. And we also do origami with verbal description. All that requires you to have is paper and patience Um, because we don't live in a text-only world and we deserve to be able to perceive and create in all three dimensions. And I'll take questions. Okay, Debbie, you want to try again, Debbie Downey? How about now? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, The first time the got it button wasn't there and it asked if I wanted to chat with a bot and something else. So I got (laughs) out of there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got back in. Anyway, um, thank you so much for your presentation, Chancey. I've been attending or have attended a number of your uh, Zoom workshops and they're all wonderful. I haven't received anything by email lately. Have you been doing any or was there yeah, we've, a break? Been on, we've been on hiatus since about December 15th, so you'll start okay. doing things again soon. Okay, great. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, area code 407. You can unmute yourself and ask your question and give your name, please. Hi there, Alan. Um, hey, Shirley. <laughs> okay. I have two questions, and it's possible that I've missed something because, like, you know, it's been a little echoey. It almost looks like you're on a speakerphone. Um, But I guess what I wanted to know is, number one, um, do you do anything at all in terms of specialized equipment for the blind, um, such as, you know, doing, doing your online courses or your group courses, having to do with iPhones or any of the specialized uh, Braille equipment, you know, like something um, like a Braille sense or anything of that nature. That's just an example. I'm not needing that in particular right now because I'm taking a course in it. But the second question is also, and this is what I might have missed, I don't believe I heard um, how to sign up or anything if we want to get your current information and if you said that i definitely missed it so absolutely so i here and just listen thank you sure are you able to hear me now oh yes ma'am thank you okay all right so if you want to reach me just drop me an email to chancy c-h-a-n-c-e-y fleet f as in father l-e-e-t at n-y-p-l.org or you can get my Twitter DM at Chancy Fleet. I'm just at Chancy Fleet on Twitter. And I do a lot of interacting with patrons and, and community partners there. So you can reach me on either one. So here's the deal regarding specialized equipment for blind folks. 
we will do everything that we can. We don't, we haven't necessarily seen every device, but when someone comes to me saying that they want to learn a device, often I'll know which staff members and volunteers know how to use it. We definitely know the Victor stream. We definitely know the Braille sense. We definitely know the basics of the, the, the uh, Braille note touch. We can find our way around most Braille displays. Um, if you've got something we haven't seen before, I have a list for just our tech staff and volunteers and I'll kind of shake that tree and see if anyone's seen it. Um, and if not, I'll say, we are not experts, but we'll learn with you. We will sit there with you and read the documentation. And if you're not a documentation person, that can be very helpful. And you know, we'll be transparent that we might not be experts in the device, but we're willing to learn because, uh, because it's a fast paced world out there. And sometimes instead of saying no, we have to say yes, and we'll be learning together. Okay, so you do do some one-on-one uh, -on -one online or on the phone or whatever then? Yes, we do. Okay. And there, there is no cost? There is no cost. People? We are a library. I will say if okay. you're out of state, so far I've been able to accommodate the out-of-state folks because we've gotten some new out-of-state volunteers and it all kind of works out. If that ever becomes a, a problem of scale, I might say, hey, if you're out of state, we can meet with you a couple of times. Um, but hopefully I'll be able to continue to scale things and we'll continue to get as many new volunteers as there is need for new out of state people. And I'm just kind of doing this pandemic uh, dance the best I can and hoping it, hoping that it all works out. So for now, the okay, answer is a, a firm time. yes. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, no other hands right now. We will uh, we'll, we'll wait and see if any hands are raised here in the next minute or so. And then, uh, Chancey, are you, are you essentially finished with what your presentation had to offer? Yeah. Okay. So what we'll do is, if there are no hands, we'll ask you one more time, although you just gave it, to give your contact information one more time, and then we'll close. Absolutely. Okay. So my name is Chancey Fleet. My email is Chancey, C-H-A-N-C-E-Y. F is in father, L E E T at nypl.org for New York Public Library.org. You can also reach me at Chancy Fleet on Twitter if you prefer. Um, and if you have general questions for the folks at the Andrew Haskell Braille and Talking Book Library that might not be about tech or just about talking book machines, that kind of thing, you can reach us at 212 206 5400. The frontline reader advisor folks are at extension two. If you need to chat with me in real time, I'll be extension three. Excellent. And, and once again, thanks for a terrific hour. And we've learned a lot. Thank you so much. Didn't know that libraries actually in locales were actually reaching out to people from all over the country. That's nice to know. Thank you so much. And next week, Matt Campbell and Mike Cowbo will be here from NUMA Solutions. And they're going to be talking about Scribe and a couple of things that have just been released within the last month or so. They were with us uh, late in 2021, but are back again for a fascinating hour. Hope you'll join us. That's next week, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, next Monday night here on Tech Talk. Thank you all. <laughs>